0: So stupid, he comes across in front of me every single time he ever takes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No,
1: so, still talking to me in the braking zone. Guaranteed to be more entertaining than a scrambled egg breakfast with Eric Cantona. Welcome back to Motorsport 101.
2: See si, you,
1: Agassi. mate. you are the world.
0: Hi guys, I'm Andre Harrison, your friendly neighborhood host, and welcome back to episode 189 of Motorsport 101. I'm still recovering from that intro. Whatever it is, it may be. <laughs> With me this week, as always, Mr. Ryan King. Hello, sir.
2: I'm glad to say that I'm now starting second baseman for, for the New York Yankees. Had a rough damn BP today. Uh, Zach Hample was not, was not kind to me since I couldn't get anything to even the outfield.
0: Bad news was because Kings on a rookie hazing deal he had to uh, cut Aaron Judge's toenails. Um it's a it's, it's a it's a dirty job but someone's got to do it. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, in the red corner, Mr. Roger O'Connell. Hello sir. What's good y'all?
1: By the time you're listening to this, my beloved Nashville Predators will be eliminated from the playoffs because hockey is a fair and just sport where everything is great and nothing bad happens. <laughs>
0: Uh, I look forward to the inevitable urinating tree Congrats Predators video It should be great (laughs)
1: Hockey a wonderful sport Where noted wonderful human Slava Voinov has multiple Stanley Cup Appearances and P.K. Subban Doesn't
0: P.K. Subban Deserves better than this P.K. Subban
1: absolutely deserves better than this And so does Pekarine! And everybody on this team God damn not if they lose to Dallas, oh but you'll get your revenge of the winter classic. What? That's a glorified run on eight, two regular season game. It has no stakes.
2: <sighs> so so as as all of you can clearly tell, uh life without I'm motorsport's
0: like... hard for us.
2: Life without yeah, motorsports like... is hard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we've 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 all been feeling the struggle. Kings now playing second baseman for the Yankees. RJ is now basically pouring his feelings into an absinthe glass over the National Predators, and I'm still recovering from getting dicked on four 0 by Everton via Manchester United Football Club. It's been a hard <laughs> week. <laughs> on the
1: other hand, at least I'm not a Tampa Bay Lightning fan.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I did it. I did hear about this. Is it? Uh, am I right in saying this? As I heard this on Urinating Trees video. The Tampa Bay Lightning were the first team to win the President's Cup and then get swept in round one of the playoffs. It's yes. not
1: that they just won the President's Cup for the best regular season record in the NHL; they won a
2: record sixty-two games. Yep, that'd be like that'd be like if Golden State set the w- regular season wins record, then went on to lose in the first round in the playoffs. <laughs> And Look, get swept. <laughs> Look, yes. the
1: Clippers cannot field a whole team of Patrick's Beverly taking out everybody's knees and ankles.
0: <laughs> wow, I I despair. This is the biggest. In other words, we just witnessed the biggest bottle job in the history of hockey. Great! I love it. Oh, man. I feel, I you know, what? I, I suddenly feel cheered up. Great! <laughs> Yes, they got swept by a team that has never won a playoff
2: series before.
0: Oh my god! It gets worse! Or in this case, better! I love sports. Sports is amazing.
1: Sports doesn't love us back sometimes.
0: Oh dear. Uh, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. Like, Ollie's at the wheel, unfortunately. Um, he's driving a provisional license. Um. <laughs> It's a fun time for all involved. (laughs) Shall I get the general housekeeping out of the way while we all recover from this? Yes. yes. (laughs) Good idea. Um, Yeah, you're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. All the video blogs going up, and I might do something this week about Pierre Gasly. Stay tuned. Um, If I can find the time, because I'm working so much this week. Um, Are you about (laughs) to
2: Daniel Kvyat and Pierre Gasly?
0: Maybe, <laughs> because I've never talked about Red Bull on our YouTube channel before. Never, <laughs> not in a million years. It never comes up, honestly. It's not like our Daniel a video was like one of the most watched we have ever had on the channel or anything. Oh, God, help me. Uh, <laughs> we're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. And if you want to find out our personal handles, you can at RJ O'Connell, um, at Ryan Eric King, that's with two Ks. And at Harrison101HD, if you'd like to follow me on there. Um, probably ranting about sports in some ver- some creative variety. Um, you can find us on our website, motorsport101.com. And if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon, uh, Patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Thanks very much for all your, your recent backing. Um, Uh, $5 gets you early access to this show where you can listen to all episodes before they go out to the public. $10 gets you into the Supporters Club of our Discord server where you can listen to these shows live as they go out, interject in the Discord, and generally be a a bit of a. a, I'm not going to finish that sentence. (laughs) Because we have a loaded audience this time around. Um, My God, um, there there is literally an entire audience listening to this right now. It's it's crazy. Uh, Charles is in here, Toki, who who, who sent the Discord. Go, Andre, finish that sentence. (laughs) Um, I don't think you want me to, Toki. Um, It's for your own good, mate. Trust me. Tar- hashtag Tard and Feathered. Um, <laughs> Black and mild is in there. Danny Brennan is in here. Uh, Steve's in here. Hey, Vic. Uh, I love my new Patreon backer as well. He back to set a $10 level. Thank you very much, sir. Much appreciated. Um, Cam, who's in here as well, as always. Hope you guys enjoy the show tonight. Thank you very much for joining us. And if you're back at the $15 level, you get a free T-shirt, and I will ship it out personally to wherever you may live um we'll send it to your girlfriend it's a great gift trust me um it's not that funny King No, <laughs> but um yes uh, so all of that out of the way general housekeeping after this quick musical break I'm going to shut up for the next half an hour and let RJ and King talk about what was a pretty mental weekend a super formula got on the
2: Uh, King, where do we start with this one? Oh, I think, I think we could start with uh, where probably most of us watch Super Formula this weekend. <laughs> at, on Let's Go
1: Racing! Yes, that's uh, youtube.com slash let's go racing. You can follow them at go racing tweets. Um, we didn't get qualifying, but we got a little bit of history of qualifying. If you remember, Tadasuke Makino from Russian Time and Formula 2 last season, He became the first rookie in 35 years to take pole position for a Japanese top formula race. The last person to do so, Roberto Moreno, in November 1984. And not only that, but it was uh, TCS Nakajima Racing, Satoru Nakajima's team, uh, that locked out the front row for the first time in nine years. And then things uh, slowly
2: deteriorated from there, King. This
1: was a wild-ass
2: race. (laughs) oh god someone someone got a penalty before they even rolled off the grid for the formation lap
1: yeah it was
2: Spanish rookie
1: alex Palo who got a drive-through penalty for having a mechanic pull something away from the front rear for the right front of his car about 15 seconds before the start of the formation lap and of course he ended up retiring due to a wheel
2: vibration oh but yeah it was what later figured out to be one of the wheel chocks to hold the car in place from you know rolling down the fr- <laughs> the uh, the sloped front straight at Suzuka
1: right mm. um we had some carnage uh, very, very early in this race when both uh, Rio Hirakawa and Tristan Charpentier both went off in what I believe were separate incidents at the same 130R corner, which, is, which of ma- all the places you want to have an accident, Suzuka, <laughs> 130R <laughs> is probably the least place you want to have an accident.
2: Yeah, and that brought an early safety car out. It was lap 9 of 43, so we pretty much got to start the race almost to get it, its, you know, square one.
1: Right, and it was during Oof. this safety car that the clutch burned out on Yuhi Sekiguchi's car, so both Team Impul cars were gone in less than 10 laps.
0: Somehow this never comes up on GT Sport. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, this is the As Seen Gran- in Gran Turismo Sport Championship that is Super Formula. Kazuki Nakajima and Harrison Nui crashed into each other again.
0: Oh, God. again? Yes. What yeah. do you
1: mean again? Yeah. <laughs> um Nui spun out in front of Nakajima, and the two collided in qualifying. And that's why they started on the back two rows. And then during the race, Kazuki Nakajima spun off at one of the Dagners. Oh, those tricky Dagners! <laughs> and then Harrison Nui followed him right off a few hundred meters in front of him.
0: Oh God. Synchronized crashing, basically.
1: And then Hiroki Ishiura's car suffered a burned-out clutch. During that second safety car intervention.
2: What? <laughs> but but in between the safety cars, we did get a new race leader. Yes, we got Kamui Kobayashi,
1: who started hey! the... Yes, Kamui Kobayashi starting the race on... I believe he was starting on the softs, right? And he was making yes. them work up in clean traffic. Um... And it looked like he would go a long way. only run as much on the medium tires as he really needed to to the regulations. Um, but right behind him, Tadasuke Makino was hanging with him. He was the only one of the front runners on the medium compound tires. That's the harder of the two Yokohama tires. Uh, and it looked as if, if once all the front runners pitted, if they needed to pit again, he would be in contention, at least for a podium maybe even a chance at the race win on his debut. Until? King, do do you
2: want to just take us through this? Ooh, well, uh, kind of putting putting into perspective of the whole situation, we did also have Nick Cassidy making his way through the field. He had pitted prior to the first safety car, and the first thing that came to my mind, why is Cassidy... Pitting so damn early. There's no way he's gonna be in contention for the race win. Oh goodness. But then uh is
0: is, it, is this is this one of those remember that it becomes important later moments. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it becomes important later.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, Good. It, Good it becomes know. important later because uh Kobayashi by this point in the race with about halfway through, and we've already had about three safety cars uh for various crashes and car stopping. And then we get the fourth one a fourth yes, yes a fourth because one. uh because as Tadasuke Makino was holding off Kenti Yamashita for position coming out of spoon curve Makino's car goes straight off where it shouldn't go straight and into the sponge barriers and his race is
2: over because the right rear tire just broke off the car yeah it, it, it's uh. Yeah, at first it looked like uh, I think it looked like like either the gearbox or the differential just failed, and his car just locked, like locked in position. But no, it just broke off. It just broke off. And you could see him climbing out of the
1: car. He looked like he was just winded as he was just hunched over and crouched down uh, after he'd gotten out of the car. And you could briefly see him on the truck. It looked like he was just so tired. He was. Yeah, it broke. The thing just broke up the car. The tire didn't puncture, the tire didn't delaminate, the wheel just fell off.
0: Yeah. So in other words, we, we got full Sebastian Buemi two thousand ten in China right here.
2: Yeah, it was pretty much like the car broke off at where the half axle meets the wheel itself. No, no. Yeah No, no, no,
0: no, 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 no. If that happened to me, I'm never getting I'm never sitting in a car again. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to literally lift me out of the pile of T-Rex-sized shit like in Jurassic Park 2. Like, no. No. (laughs) I'm not driving again. Fuck that. Uh -uh, I'm out. Oh,
1: (sighs) man. Um, thankfully, um, all the drivers involved in these wrecks, like Tristan Charpentier, Ryo Hirakawa, Kazuki Nakajima, Harrison Nui, and Tadasuke Makino were all okay. Um, but that effectively ruined any chance Kamui Kobayashi had of winning this race, because they were going to pit right around this time when the Ford safety car came out. And when that safety car came out, they just decided, all right, screw it, we're just going to pack up everything and we'll pit on the last lap. Yeah. At a desperation attempt to salvage a podium out of this because they were going to go long on their first set of tires. Um and if not for that safety car, I think that would have pulled that off. But no, Yeesh. instead it was it was Nick Cassidy who said he didn't have pace in the car. Toms were struggling for downforce first race with the new SF19 comes from 12th on the grid to win in his first start with the team, ahead of uh, the reigning champion Naoki Yamamoto in his first race for Dandelion Racing in second, and Ketsuya Mashta in third, his second consecutive podium, ended the season with a third-place finish last
2: year, starts the season with a third-place finish this year. Oh, and it's like other notable finishers. Of course, Dan Tickton was in the race. He had... Uh... According to him, he struggled all race weekend for speed, but he still was able to put together a points finish in eighth, so.
1: Yeah, um, running through the rest of the points finishers, Tomoki Nojiri for Motel Team Mugen was fourth, first race with him of the team. Fifth on the track was Kazuya Oshima of Team Lama, but after being penalized 30 seconds uh, for jumping the restart, he was taken down from fifth to twelfth in the final results. So, rookie Shosu Boy out of the All-Japan F3 Championship finishes fifth. Yuji Kunamoto finishes sixth. Lucas Auer takes home seventh place. Uh, and Daniel Tictum takes the final points-paying position in eighth. Ahead of Kamui Kobayashi, who dropped to ninth. Arta Markalov, who kind of had an anonymous day in tenth. Oh,
2: like, it, it was a oh. very weird day for Markalov. Because he was he started dead last. He was as high as like ninth or eighth during the race. Yeah, he was but, in contention
1: for points, but same thing what happened to Kobayashi kind of happened to him.
2: Uh yeah. Markolov had the sort of a drive through penalty for overtaking behind the safety car. Oof.
1: Yeah, Nirei Fukuzumi finished eleventh, Kazuya Oshima was the last finisher in twelfth. Makino, Palo, Ishiura. Kazuki Nakajima, Arison Nui, Yuhi Sekiguchi, rio Hirokawa, and Tristan Charpentier all failed to finish. And the next yeah. race is at, as seen in gran Turismo Sport, Autopolis International Race Course on Ooh. on May 19th.
0: I still can't go, quite get over the fact that Artem Marklov had a quiet day. <laughs> if, if quiet <laughs> involves starting in,
2: in dead last and making all, your
0: way all the way up to eighth place. Mm. <laughs> it's quiet by Markolev
2: standards.
1: Right, because in Formula 2, we'd expect him to be leading after four laps. But then again... all, Formu- finding
0: this, all, fa- all doing some sort of weird triple overtake round the outside of the 130 <laughs> yard and keeping it within the lines. Because that's that's <laughs> what Artem Markolev do. Oh, man.
1: <clears throat> King, what'd you make of the first race of the SF19 era?
0: Chaotic. Very, very chaotic. Uh,
2: it was obviously... Chaos is a bit exciting, but, you know, it it felt a bit drawn back that we had so many safety car periods during the race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there,
1: was, uh, there it was a lot of stop-start, obviously, and uh, that was really the only weird thing about it. I mean, the cars are brilliant, it's a good class of drivers, and of course, it's free to watch, so, you know, if you get a chance to watch the race replay... Go out and do so. If you like Formula Two, I think you'll really like Super Formula.
2: Yeah, it's pretty much like, hey, what if Formula Two had push to pass? Oh yes, not <laughs> not DRS, push
1: to pass, just like you do in IndyCar, so you can actually defend your position.
2: Nice. I would recommend it. I would highly recommend it, Trey. Yeah, it's if yeah if if you haven't seen it, it's definitely worth watching.
0: Where, where can I find said race? It is on oh, un- Via legal
1: sources Yes YouTube.com Slash Let's Go Racing Or you can find them on Twitter At Go Racing Tweets Where you may find right. commentary From uh, From a From a notable uh, British ca- Chancellor And some Irish guy
2: <laughs> Hi Lee
0: That's
1: <laughs> am, am I missing something here? <sighs> no No It's just uh, Leo Gorman's uh, One of the commentators For the race He did a really good
0: job Ah uh, Excellent
1: You know, it's, uh, should we talk about, um, Indy 500 and, uh, well, we're, we're a month away and already, uh, we have Indy 500 controversy, controversy, and no, it has nothing to do with J.R. Hildebrand coming back. Yeah. Because Uh,
0: uh, you mean, we're not talking (laughs) for like 20 minutes about the fact that the glorious Mullet himself, J.R. Hildebrand is back. Stanford University
1: educated J.R. Hildebrand. Boy. (laughs) But no, we're here to talk about powerful team owners, Roger Penske, Chip Ganassi, and Michael Andretti um, coming out and saying that full-time teams in the IndyCar series should have guaranteed starting spots in the Annapolis 500.
2: Yes, in separate mm. interviews, all three team owners have set, have come out in defense of this.
0: Oh boy, I had a feeling this might cause, might cause some debate, and we know there's many a prominent IndyCar personality up and down social media and on the internet, and uh, I, I I saw the early reaction, and it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. How dare Petski, going and Ganassi, the big boys all talk about guaranteed places? And I sat back and I watched most, most of this go by, and I honestly sat there and I went, it's not quite as simple as that, is it?
2: And no. It's, and, like, and, this yeah. is also coming off of... It's not that, you know, the Speedway said... Like, the Speedway of the series said that they're going to do this. No one has brought this up except, like, journalists who've asked these questions because, obviously, they are going to be more than 33 cars trying to qualify this year. And especially after what happened last year, you know, they brought the prospect of the team owners and the team owners gave their honest you know, their honest opinion on the matter.
0: Right. And if you're Roger Penske, Michael Andretti, or Chip Ganassi, why the hell would you not want guaranteed spots for your, for your cars? Especially when we all know during the 500, they run more cars than they normally do. I mean, Penske had five last year. I think Andretti had six last year, you know. And yeah, the thing is,
2: the thing is they're not asking that all their cars get a guaranteed spot, just the full-time cars.
0: And like, if you're a big team, why the hell would you not say that? Why would you not <laughs> yeah, want a guaranteed spot? It's like, that? it's like I know people are gonna obviously boil piss about this, which is which you know I get. No one wants the big guy to succeed. I get that, right? And of course, the argument of well, when you, everybody was a small team at some point, and you know they could directly go against this sort of rule, but now they've made it, it's like, well, let's turn our back on the little guy. Yeah, you'd be doing the exact same thing if you're in Roger Pensky's shoes. I guarantee damn you that. You know, like it's 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 business. I I said I said it's a friend of the show Henry who's who isn't here tonight but he's a, he's a regular listener. I said to him, "Listen, like it's business. You probably shouldn't take it personally." And you know, it's of course it's going to piss people off because like especially given well Last year, we had such a thrilling bump day. Bump day, you know, the, the late drama of trying to get a last run in. And, you know, Pippa Man and James Hinchcliffe missing the cut. Oriol Servia was on the bubble pretty much the entire way through. Hmm. Um, you know, it, we had... It, it was brilliant. It was, it was captivating. It was emotional. It was heartbreaking. It was brilliant television. It was sports at its finest. And if you're a fan... I can also see that side of the coin as well, where it's like you want the entertainment of a bump day and you 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 want the potential shock of a big name not making yeah. it. I mean, look how emotional we got when Hinchcliffe didn't make it last yeah, year. This is this is the, this
1: is, the <laughs> this is one of the big races where you're not guaranteed to make it in the Daytona 500. You're pretty much guaranteed to make it in mostly because, well, there's there's the charter system. You're guaranteed a spot on the grid if you're a full-time team, pretty much. There is Lemay's invitation only, so the ACO handpicks you to run its race if you can last all the way to June without riding off your car. Formula One has not had a situation where it's had to send cars home in, over, in almost 25 years.
0: Yeah, and especially when it was a full-timer and arguably the one of the most likable and popular guys in the sport who was the victim last year in James Hinchcliffe. and that got a lot of people talking there was talking about about whether um, what's his name now Jay Howard was gonna was gonna drop his spot mm-hmm. there was talk about whether they could maybe buy somebody's seat out and put James in there for one race it was drama and it, it became the talk of the 500 for that weekend I would argue more than anything else. I don't think you want to lose that. And it's kinda crazy that even Pippa Mann, who was the direct victim of this last year, came out and said you can't get rid of Bump Day. Right. It's too it's too big a tradition and it's 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 part of the part of the spectacle.
1: Right. I um the the one thing that's come up is the twenty five eight rule. Now, for those of you who may not know your IndyCar history, the 25-8 rule was originally proposed around 1996 when the Indy Racing League, which is what IndyCar is now, uh, broke away from what was the CART World Series. And what they were effectively trying to do was guarantee a place on the grid for their full-time teams who were who were running on much smaller budgets at the time, trying to guarantee them a place on the grid because now they had control of the race. Mm. But you have to understand that these were mostly, mostly hobbyist teams. There were a few big teams that made the jump, like AJ Foyne Enterprises, uh, but not a whole lot of huge, huge outfits. But now it's, it's now coming from the guys that the Indy Racing
2: League originally was trying to keep out. Yeah. So like the, the, the eight, the eight trying to get in, uh, it was pretty much, you know, Ganassi, Penske, and, you know, Team Green, which eventually became, you know, Andretti Autosport. Right, you could you spots. could use
1: Newman-Haas as an, as a then-equivalent.
2: Yeah, mm. them, you know, all the big teams just trying to fight for eight spots. Now it's the other way around. Where Penske,
1: Ganassi, Andretti wouldn't have to worry about it, but all your part-time entries would have to fight for just eight spots on the grid.
0: And it sucks on that side, because for a lot of smaller teams and a lot of smaller outfits, this is their one big race. This is their entire investment here, going into one race and the chance to stand out, win that big prize money, and, and you know, sell some product. You but know, it's, I it's, think
2: it's, that's where the issue for the big teams comes in. It's about the prize money. And I did a bit of digging, and the, the most recent year that I could find... All the data that I needed was 2015 when Juan Pablo Montoya won the Indianapolis 500. And mm. the way uh pretty much the Indy 500 has a separate prize purse than the rest of the series completely. And right. So for winning the Indianapolis 500 that year, the winner's share that went to Juan Pablo Montoya, you know, which he split among him and, you know, Penske, he won 2.4 million dollars. <laughs> yikes <laughs> the bare minimum i'm not counting so the rest of the series uh each full-time each full-time car that year got 1.2 you know uh one and a quarter million dollars for being a full-time car in the in the indycar series uh, what <laughs> uh, i have no way that that was a thing uh if uh there's, you know, bonuses for where you finish in the standings, but you have to finish. Uh, they only give out bonuses for for champion through twelfth in the standings. they Are also like very, very, very small race win bonuses. So, if you say you win the race in De- Detroit the week after, the bonus you get for winning that race is thirty thousand dollars.
0: That's a drop in the bucket. So
2: if there is, if you win the series championship, you do get an additional million dollars. So you get, you get one point two million, you get two point two million dollars. Yeah, two point two million dollars if you're the series champion. And also, kind
0: so just points. That, yeah. yeah comes, also, comes also think about
2: this though.
1: If you have eight, if you have only eight wild card entries in the Indianapolis 500, that means hypothetically. If we were to play it retroactively for this year, you'd have a spot where Elio Castroneves and Fernando <laughs> Alonso are fighting for the last spot of the grid, and one of them has to go
2: home.
0: Yeah, and and a big team would never want that to happen. That's a big meal ticket. Elio is a massive deal. Fernando is an ultra massive deal to McLaren and and, and obviously what they're trying to do. I mean, as many people know, it's a matter of when McLaren goes into IndyCar full time, as by Zach Brown's own words. Um, it's it is kind of crazy though that as as Cam pointed out in the Discord server, like it's basically an entire like a full like the 500 alone is is a full season's worth of wins and the championship. Yep. <laughs> and 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 we saw that. I mean, look look at it this way. Simon Pagenaud, who won the championship, t- like was it two years ago now, right? He won seven races that season. Like, the bonuses for winning was only 200 grand. When it's 2.4 for winning the 500, again, okay, you get a million bonus for winning the championship. That's still barely half of what you would get for winning the 500. Now I can totally see why big teams want to protect themselves here, because that is such... That is such a massive amount of money. It's that's that's ludicrous. Yeah,
2: because like when you're telling the teams not to fight for guaranteed spots in the 500, you're literally asking them to throw away. Like, say you finish midfield, you get a million dollars. Like that's the same amount if you
0: just show up for the full year in the rest of the series. Is that is that uh, that's probably the reason why you get so many part time entrants just running the 500? Because hey. If you get into the top 12, you're probably making your money back. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, that's crazy. And and we all know the 500 can throw out some shocks. And more often than not, you will get a a wildcard guy in the top 10. I mean, look at guys like Max Chilton, who was fourth a couple years ago, or Ed Jones, or Charlie Kimball, who have had, you know podium top four finishes at the 500 in the last two or three years and you know, it's because crazy. of because
2: of that imbalance that's why you only see part-timers at the 500 you rarely yeah. see like if if you see someone doing a partial season uh either number one they're they're filling in for you know they're basically being a part-time driver in a full-time car or they're almost doing an entire season plus the Indianapolis 500, they're probably only missing a handful of races.
1: Yeah, to be honest, nobody's showing up part-time just to run the Texas 500.
0: Yeah. No. Well, for 30 grand if you win, no thanks. Um, No, and this is the other one I wanted wanted to get to as well. The state of the championship. This race carries double points. Um, Which it's, (laughs) it's even worse. It's double points, and until this year, we had a full race worth of points just for qualifying. You could argue it's triple points, you know, for the 500. It's triple points on that one round, effectively. So, again, it's another reason why, hey, if you have a bad 500, it's going to wreck your entire championship. Like, for example, Hinchcliffe last year, another example, missed the 500, probably would have been top six in the championship last season if it weren't for the fact he got bumped. Like, if if you're a team like SBM who's on the rise and had Robert Wickens last year, who was, you know, capable of winning races... If, you, if you're telling me you're yanking them out of a race that's worth 150 points over, over the course of the week, like, I can't blame big teams for thinking, you know what, I've got to protect my shit here, because if, if, if we have a bad weekend, or if we get bumped, our season's over with that driver, effectively.
1: Right. Could it's, you imagine what would have happened if Unser Jr. had made the Indianapolis 500 in 1995? He'd probably won back-to-back titles and we wouldn't be talking about Jacques Villeneuve as a double yes. champion of IndyCar and Indianapolis 500 that year. That's like the last time anybody remembers Penske getting bumped out of the 500. Of course, it's a much different game back there. It wasn't a spec formula in
2: 1995. It wasn't a spec engine formula. But the thing is, like... I I understand like we've we've covered, you know, why there shouldn't be guaranteed spots and we've understand like why the teams want guaranteed spots. There is also another resolution to this lower the amount of prize money for the 500 and give it to the teams that compete at the other (laughs) round. Yeah. But see, that's the thing. If you
1: lower the prize money, if you cut the double points, then somebody somewhere out there is going to make it like you want the Indianapolis 500 to matter less and less. You're just doing what cart was trying to do in the mid nineties. And that's why we had the Indy racing. League pop up to begin with because they thought that cart was trying to minimize the importance of the Indianapolis 500. But that's, and, and that's let's be real here. <laughs> who,
0: who wants to be the guy to release the press release saying we're taking money out of the five hundred. Yeah, could you so,
1: imagine like how nuclear things would get if the WC proposed? All right, Mama is now a sit-sour race, just like all our other events.
2: But that was like the defining, the defining motive of Dan Gurney and the rest of CART that they can't base their entire season around one race. It's financially not viable to hire to hire employees for an entire year for one month of the year like pretty if much Ma- you if you're mclaren this- yes you know if you're jonathan bird racing no it's like you have to make the rest of the season worth it or there's it, this is not a business like you can't you can't do this as a professional you're basically an amateur outfit doing this semi-professionally
0: and 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 that's and that's why every side of the argument is pissed off. If you're a small team, of course you don't want a less you don't want a smaller chance to run the 500 given for many part timers. It's their flagship event for many for the bigger teams you know you're losing a dog in the fight and you want as many guys in there as you can realistically run to have like Andretti with six cars or Chip having four or five or Penske having the dream team of five the last couple of years as well if you're if you're a smaller team of course it's harder to get in it's harder to perform and there's less guarantee so you're fighting an uphill battle in that sense but like, like in but- a way
2: you're you are taking a product away from the fans you instead of getting instead of getting you know you know 20 quality events with one landmark race, you're just getting one very, very massive event, which pretty much the other races just advertise that one massive event. You
0: don't believe me?
1: Look at the TV ratings of the Indianapolis 500 compared to every other event on the calendar.
0: (laughs) Yeah. We're get about a bob around that just had a point free rating.
2: Yeah, where, where pretty much all the other races are struggling to get half a point, while the Indianapolis 500, easily, every year, at least a point and a half. And this is in the down years of the sports (laughs) popularity.
0: Yeah, like it's...
2: Actually, I have, I have the media guide from '94 right next to me, so I can get Nigel the TV ratings for Nigel Mansell's last season in Indy. Well, you Mario know. Andretti's
1: last Indy 500 as well. <laughs> Mario, yeah, the year of the Penske steamroller, and what did that race pull on the television on ABC Sports?
2: Oh, give me one second. that's on page. Drum roll, please, kids. I can edit this out and post. It's fine.
0: <laughs> We're keeping this.
2: Okay, so TV ratings for 1993. Uh, let's see TV ratings for 93. Indianapolis pulled uh, an 8.5. Next weekend, wow. next weekend in Milwaukee, they pulled a 2.4. <laughs> and that is pretty. That's 2.4 is pretty much the average for the rest of the year. Phoenix had a 3.3. Uh,
1: Phoenix, pretty much
2: the Phoenix. Pulled the, a Phoenix. 3. The, uh, all the rounds that weren't, so pretty much the championship, the last six rounds of the championship weren't on broadcast TV, they were all on ESPN, only one round pulled above a two, and the championship finale pulled a .7.
0: (laughs) Jesus Christ. So yeah, it's almost like you can't blame IndyCar for putting all their eggs in one basket, but that that basket is causing off the problem. Yeah. (laughs)
2: And the reason why they do this is because back in the 60s, when, you know, when they were first removed, like, it didn't really matter to them, but when they first removed from the the World Championship schedule, uh, pretty much, it was a bit of a kick in their behind to realize that we need to do something to, you know, make this one race, uh, you know, one of the international marquee events, and they their plan was pretty much, "Hey, what if we made this the you know this race have the biggest prize of any race in the world?" And it worked for all the nineteen sixties. Problem was, it wiped out every other race in the country.
0: Oh boy, not not i not ideal business practice. Yeah, like they the they
2: tried some ways to get around this, like to. Uh, you know the the rookie orientation program we have today. It used to be a lot more wider spread, and you had to compete uh, in other races to pass rookie orientation. So we got right. to see the likes of Jim Clark race at the Milwaukee Mile. God, that would have been awesome. Yeah,
1: for uh, for reference, it'd be like, oh, hey, I, I want to start up a I want to start up a fighting robotic promotion. I know we'll go on pay per view as everybody's going streaming.
2: Yeah. So, Christ, that's how they're able to keep some of the, you know, more prestigious venues on the calendar, like the Milwaukee Mile and other mile tracks along. But as soon as they started, you know, closing, uh, making rookie orientation more about just the Speedway itself, uh pretty much everything faded off into the background like Milwaukee The Milwaukee miles not even on the calendar anymore. So I think are we are we all in the are, are we all in agreement that
1: we don't really want there to be guaranteed entries at the Indianapolis 500.
2: Oh no one wants that. No one wants that at all. But it's the easiest solution. <laughs>
0: Yeah, unfortunately, it's it's pr- it like like F1 team waters, it's kind of a necessary evil here to keep the business afloat. Because to be fair, the way the series is, you have to look after the big teams to a degree. Because if the big teams start collapsing and kicking up a stink, you've got no foundation for the series to run off of. Yeah. So like in principle, I don't want guaranteed spots. But I also kind of accept that the way the sport is calibrated right now, you need to protect the big teams. And that probably is the easiest and least, and the, probably the least bothersome way of doing it. Unfortunately, yeah. Because if, if
2: if the if just those three teams left the series, you're leaving a massive hole in the field.
0: It's it's half the grid. Yeah, at least. So it's about sixty percent of the full time grid, and you like I, I get it. You can't just run one race a year. You've got to have a full time calendar. And I know the full-time... like, like y- You need to make the full-time calendar more desirable, but that can't happen because no one's watching these races anyway. Because so of again, what... like It was kind of like, like a vicious
2: circle where, because of how much you valued this one race, literally the rest of the calendar suffers and barely any... It's not marketable because you just use this ad... You just use this free ad time for the 500.
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy. And... Yeah, it's it's a perpetual feedback loop, and it's not healthy for anybody involved. With it. It's not healthy for the sport in that sense. But you, it kind of has to be done. You, you, it's self-preservation more than anything else. And now I've got a strange desire to watch the Italian job. This is the <laughs> self-preservation society. <sighs> but uh, but yeah, gosh. pretty much.
2: You're we're back at where we were in the late seventies, where the big teams were not satisfied and they. All left and made their own series.
0: We're taking our balls and going home.
2: Yeah, they took their, they took their balls and made CART, and it, and then, cart then the speedway went, <laughs> took its ball and then it went home. So I realize this. Yeah, it's like at, at some point the fact that the IndyCar series is not only centered around the Indianapolis 500, it's owned by the speedway itself. It's mm. it's oh. not. It's not good. All
1: we're doing is just rehashing old wrestling storylines from like seven <laughs> years ago.
2: Yeah, it's not healthy, folks. It's like, oh, I'm Chip, my- Chip is the new Dan Kearney.
0: <laughs> oh, Lord. Sh- 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 should we get into the mailbag here, folks? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Be- because, uh, boy! As, we, as you may have predicted, um, we didn't have a lot to talk about this week. <laughs> Motorsport kind of blew its load last week, essentially, by having like seven different se- major series having races last week and only one this week. Great. We'll get into all this weekend's fun stuff later, but in the, me- in the meantime, we asked you guys, the Discord server, and the Twitter... And uh, we basically thought, let's let's open up the mailbag to you guys and let's see what's going on here and see what you guys wanted to ask us. And it could have been literally anything we said, but you guys are all very well behaved and sent us motorsport questions. (laughs) You're all welcome. Thanks everybody for playing along. Um, <laughs> it let's didn't c- get s- weird like last time. Oh man. You know we, 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 there was no asking which driver we wanted to shag. Um, you know none of that in this time round, thank god. Um, right. Thanks everyone sending in any questions. I will go from the top of the <laughs> pile here. Uh, insert gif of Raymond van Bijnenveld throwing a letter from a little box here. Um, right. Aaron who asks if you could put one old layout of a modern F1 track back on the calendar, what would it be and why? I, I preface this by saying, if anyone says bar range endurance layout, I will break your fingers. <laughs> <laughs> I think mm. the
1: one Aaron had in mind was the old Monza with the uh, the Roval configuration, with the bank curves. Mm.
2: Now, that'd, that's a, that'd, that'd a be nice. Out
1: that, <laughs> I don't know, I'll, I'll do you one better. I'll say, uh, not the... Uh, not the Silverstone No, I want the Silverstone layout with the old bridge corner complex.
0: I do. Me too. Yeah, as much uh, as I
2: like as much as I like the new Abbey, um, yeah, the arena is is not good.
0: <laughs> I mean the arena's uh, fine, like but it's arena. not as good.
2: I, it's not as good though.
0: No, it's not terrible by any stretch of the imagination. Like it's not like they completely ruined the circuit. Silverstone is still fun to play on racing games and I still enjoy it from a spectacle but i love the fact that old silverstone was so goddamn fast you had the abbey bridge complex you get under the bridge into this into the stadium section i loved that part of the track i loved what old silverstone was so if i had to pick one out for me it would probably be that
1: yeah see silverstone we said something nice about you for a change you're welcome <laughs>
2: you're, 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 just please
0: please fix your pavement
2: mm.
0: No, it's just, it's one of those things, but uh, yeah, you know, you might want to get that shit resurfaced again. Just 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 throwing that out there. Uh, right, Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Kelly asks, "Will Brendan Lee inspire more esports athletes to go racing for real?" Um, mm, I'd say, did- I'd say I can't
2: give a yes or no answer because i have a feeling that. Every esports athlete would like to be an actual racing driver. I think it's more convincing sponsors to sponsor an esports driver.
0: Yeah, this was For news. So
2: uh, Brendan Lee went Formula Ford
1: racing this weekend.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yep, shout out to our boy Brendan. He actually listens to us. He's a he's a he's a he's a, friend of the, he's a fan and friend of the show. So hi Brendan, thanks for listening, bruh. Um, yes, the F1 esports series champion. Um, yeah, he reached in Formula Four. It's actually quite disappointing to see that a lot of uh, his Formula Four test was taken out of context on the internet. I have sources from the man himself, which I thought was was quite crazy. It was like, yeah, just random DM from Brendan Lee, and I'm like, oh, shit. Hi. Um, <laughs> I was a little bit starstruck for a second there. Um, but he said, yeah, listen, he had a he had a mechanical problem and the car flung him off at turn one at 110 miles an hour. Not ideal, but of course people see him in a wall and think, oh, he's binned it. Um, which I find hilarious that, like, I don't know about the rest of you guys here, and this is going to be a small rant, but it's one of those things where I you grew up playing racing games or playing Formula 1 games as a child because you wanted to be a racing driver and you probably knew you were never going to actually do the real thing and so you used video games as your outlet for that like if you're if you're an F one fan and you're seeing the rise of the esports series, I mean, season three is going to be st- taking place later this year. And they now they now has a five hundred thousand dollar prize pool, which is great. It's <laughs> going up, more money for the athletes, more more opportunities potentially. That's more than Why some would- drivers' reported salaries. Yep. Right. <laughs> 500000 dollars prize pool this year, more support, more events this year in general, another draft, more guys getting sponsored and backed by actual factory teams. If you're a Formula One fan, why the hell would you not want this? Why the hell would you not want to back a guy that actually makes it into motorsport off of the back of playing the goddamn video game? I mean, series? shoot, you'll that show is up every kid's dream. You'll show up mm. for Twitch streams if actual Formula One drivers show up for them. <laughs> Oh look, Fernando's here. Everybody work the shaft. And, like, and, Jesus and let's
2: Christ. be real here. A part of part of me wants to take this off into a tangent where it's like people don't actually watch the junior formula, like, but people watch right. esports.
0: <laughs> right. Like the e- like you've had tens of thousands of people watch the esports series on Twitch. I saw the numbers during season two. We had tens of thousands of people, I think at one point it was over forty thousand watching the esports series um on 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 Twitch and other social media platforms and whatnot. And I'm not sure that many people in this country watch the junior races. Uh, And it's like like you're already like they're already on a a premium channel on a premium service to begin with, and that's Sky Sports F1 in this country. Legally anyway. And yeah, you're right. People don't watch the Junior formula on that sort of level. Only the hardest of hardcore fans do that in the first place. But we love video games. We will watch video games. Esports is probably the fastest growing sport in the world. And what I love about this more than anything else is that Formula One and motorsport is the one platform where esports truly works. Where there, there's, there is actual tangible crossover skill that comes from playing the video game that you could actually apply to real life yeah. motorsport. If you don't believe me, like, like, if you don't yeah. believe me
1: look in the Formula Regional European Championship and you'll find the reigning Gran Turismo Sport champion Igor Fraga on the grid who already has a podium this season. If you don't believe me, look in Super GT and you'll find Jan Martinborough, the most recognizable GT Academy champion who had a goddamn Tom Rinaldi-narrated SportsCenter feature about him.
0: (laughs) Right. Like... It's not like you're playing the NBA 2K series where you flick a right hand stick. You're not going to suddenly be able to have a crossover ability like Kyrie Irving on an NBA basketball court or shoot like Steph Curry from 30 feet out. Like There is actual tangible crossovers between sim racing uh, sim racing playing the F1 games. And playing video games in compared to real life motorsporting skill. We should all be backing esports as a platform for success in motorsport because your next favourite driver might very well come from an eSports series. I just can't understand why so many people are so anti this, especially when someone who's actually very, very good and an incredibly likable kid in Brendan Lee as well. I've had time to talk to him. He's a lovely bloke by all accounts. And, like, we all back these drivers. Who, we who Because you know what? We used to watch them run league races on YouTube all the time. The TRL Limits of the world, the X-Manny Gs of the world, the Noble 2909s. We all backed these dudes. We all them on YouTube and now they they've got actual opportunities for mainstream success. I don't understand why we're so anti this. It because, gets, it, makes, because it makes my blood boil.
2: You know you know the thing that motorsports fans are most offensive about that they say that they don't believe is true? Deep down deep down that that old mantra that racing drivers aren't athletes. Some people actually believe it's true, even though they adamantly defended, like, "No, these guys are athletes." If it feels like if you have some guy, you know, that's a that's an e racer, that you know, that's an that's an esports driver, and comes into actual racing, they feel like that's a threat against that. defense that racing drivers. Yeah, Shit, coming from the
1: people who've racked up one ter- more turn one collision casualties and actual
0: race wins. <laughs> <laughs> right, like, it's, it's and, and th- don't get me wrong, like, the image of the gamer has taken a whack on the internet in the last few all years. All self
1: inflicted. S- all of it self inflicted. <laughs> mostly, yeah.
0: I, I was about to say, mostly self inflicted. Um, so, of course, like, that is, is something that has to be factored in because, you know certain Gates-related scandals and other, basically, you know, the nature of gamers on the internet. I mean, hey, if anyone subscribed to Jim Sterling, you know how this game works. Um, the industry in general and some of gamers in general are not doing a good job of flying the flag for the industry. As much as you shoot yourself in the foot sometimes. So I get it. The image of the gamer has eradicated even more than it usually has in the last five to ten years. Dot dot dot. But you do have a to admit, Ninja.
2: to be a top level esports athlete, you do have to be an actual athlete,
0: right? Like, look like, okay, look at okay. For example, I'll use Brendan as an example again. Look how much weight the man's lost. The man is like, there's like a different person now. <laughs> yeah. Like, like the guys who were trying to get on Mc, on Mc, on McLaren's world fastest gamer, Mercedes esports team, they're putting these guys through gym workouts. You've got to be fit to do this. And, like, the whole mantra of, oh, racing drivers aren't athletes is bullshit. And it, it's always been bullshit. But people, you know, just have this reputation. They're like like, like the 60s, all these F1 drivers are, are just gentlemen racers. They come out, they have a cigarette after us, and they bang the chick at the end of the Grand Prix. And, and you know, it's it's all just a hobby. It's, it's, it's more to it than that. To answer your question, Kelly... <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I, I think, like... It's not that Brendan himself will inspire more people, but I think eSports itself will open the door for opportunities for more people to go racing. And that, I think it's ultimately a good thing. Um, we like, I thought we guys wanted more drivers, more young guys to get into yeah. the sport. Like, that's the future. I don't see how anyone could be against this unless you're the old monolith crowd who insists that they have an image to protect. Right. So you need to um, you
2: cut your teeth at the local club track.
0: And also,
1: I would yeah, argue cut I'd argue that eSports has already opened the door for drivers. Um, See previous yeah. examples before Brendan Lee. And also, it's, it's an alternative of, you know, coming from tons and tons of family money and, uh, you know, being backed by a manufacturer's junior academy.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a great alternative, and we should be getting behind it more more often, quite frankly. Josh Wilcock asks, which driver in any series has impressed you the most?
2: Ooh, I'd say this year so far, it's pretty hard to tell. <laughs> it's been a I lot of racing.
0: I still think it's been early days to a degree. Early early days, we don't have a lot of races to play with this year in the major series we watch. Um I'll point out a couple of a couple of examples. it's hard not to be impressed by Palo Award and Colton Herta in IndyCar right now. Yes. Yeah. But but we already kind of knew that last year anyway, given you know how great they were in Indy Lights. We kind of knew this was coming, especially in the case of Palo who was so impressive at the Race of Champions as well and had that brilliant season finale race in 2018 at Sonoma last year where he finished 8th. You know, like like if i'm if i'm i'm going to divert into two wheels for just a second fabio quattararo and miguel Rivera yes. in moto gp have been i think super impressive Yeah, it's like, we, we, we knew
2: quattararo was good from years ago but like i'm surprised by his you know debut season in top class there is your yeah, net the, the man could
0: yeah, like, the the man could have easily had a couple of top six finishes by now. Like, he is super impressive in his first year on what is last year spec Yamaha. You know, that bike we all thought was trash. Um, so, yeah, Fabio Cuoteraio, very impressive. Miguel Oliveira on the KTM Tech 3, basically running alongside Johan Zarco, an established big boy factory runner with the paycheck to match. And Miguel Oliveira, the dentist himself, is uh, having a very, very good... Like, I mean, it's the results don't say it, but if you ask people in the paddock about guys who've been impressive, Miguel Oliveira comes up very quickly as a guy that they could see what his talent is doing beyond the bike he's on. So if I had to go into two wheels for a second here, hard not to be impressed by Fabio Quartararo, and Miguel Oliveira. And I'd like to throw Lando Norris in there as well um, from McLaren. Like, The guy's just fun like in like he's what F1 needs. We need a bit of fun and Lando Norris likes likes taking unconventional routes in F1 that doesn't involve ploughing into a guy's rear nose. Yeah. Um quite frankly and that's fun. I like fun. Yeah, More Lando like, Norris please. We we
2: couldn't get Arts and Markelov in F1. Lando Norris is a very close second. I'll, I'll throw in another yeah. driver from that
1: class. Alexander Albon from Scuderia Toro Rosso. Yes, Albon. <laughs>
0: Yeah, probably the probably the individual driver of the season so far in F1 came from Alex Albon in China from the pit lane to 10th. That was super impressive. So, hard not to throw his name in there as well. Thanks to, thanks for that Josh. Kevin Lee asks, who will finish second in the world drivers championship? Oh, I'm going to oh. the absolute bottle. <laughs> it's, it's it's Sebastian Vettel. Like yeah. I don't I like n- there has been nothing in the last Three years for me to suggest otherwise. Yeah, like, no one else has, has come close to finishing, for even in second, where Vettel is at the moment. Yeah, so like, somebody's to prove me wrong on that. There one. would be
2: have to be a huge seismic shift in not only uh, Ferrari's strategy but just driver skill between them for Charles Leclerc to finish ahead of Vettel. Like Leca- Leclerc, no, fe- he's very, very good, but he's not better
0: than Vettel yet. <laughs>
2: He doesn't have to be.
0: We we need to chill on that. Um, That, And that's the point, RJ. He doesn't have to be as good as Sebastian right now. Why do we insist (laughs) that every youth prospect on Earth has to be elite alien level paced the moment they're shot out of the womb? Because Lewis
1: Hamilton and Max Verstappen have set unrealistic expectations for the rest of the populace. And we live
2: in an era of instant gratification where everything needs to be the best of the best or the worst of the worst.
1: Speaking of best of the best, could y'all just imagine if the PlayStation game Jet Moto had Wave Race 64's water physics, that would have been perfect. (laughs) Mm. I'm talking about mm. I'm talking about a game that combined elements of MotoGP and motocross with wave running and also a bit of futuristic racing because they're hover bikes basically and they're yeah, teams sponsored went... by Mountain Dew, Butterfinger, and Doritos. So you know it's perfect of for that late '90s extreme sports brand. All this to say that I think Matt Sverstappen is going to finish second in the drivers' championship.
0: Get Ooh, out Yeah, I,
2: I don't think Red Bull can develop a, better, a car Better than Ferraris
0: There's a better chance Red Bull go winless For the year than that happening Jesus <laughs> Get the bandit up out of the paint Okay <laughs> No I'm not standing this Like I said like I said, I think it's going to be Sebastian Over the course of a season No one has gotten close to him for second In the last two Ooh, years He but is still Could he's, it, still could
2: it be Botas though
0: Botas, if he doesn't have another year where, like, an anvil drops on his head before every race weekend starts, maybe. (laughs) He's better than what the 240 or so points he had last year suggests. But, uh, again, we haven't really seen it yet. Not since. Again, even then, when he did have a good season in 2017, he was beaten by Sebastian. So. You know, we'll have to wait and see. Again, I, I, I'll, I'll eagerly await um, the the proof and the angry email afterwards. Right, <laughs> Joe Ellis asks, a series you, you wish you, could, you liked but can't get into? Um,
1: British Touring Cars sounds like it's just up my alley. It's close. It's competitive. The cars are mostly road relevant. Racing's fun. There's a lot of it. It's a short format. I just can't fucking watch it.
2: Yeah, like, literally, I think it came up on the show. Uh, yeah, back when Johnson was on the show. I mean, it's like, I wish I could watch British Touring Cars, but there's no way to watch in the U.S. Because uh, they don't show the full races here. They show the highlights on, on the CBS Sports Network on tape delay, usually about two weeks later on. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and that, and, and that works great if it's ESPN Speed World in 1989.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. oh dear. It's like yeah. I wish
2: I could get into it. Like I know, like I, I, I by osmosis, I know the drivers in the series. I know their personality types. I know who the heroes and villains are. But I've never actually watched a BTCC race. Yeah, it's uh,
0: it's a lot. It's a lot. I mean. For me, personally, um, I, I, I don't mind touring cars. I mean, it, it's more a time thing with me because it's on a Sunday and there's normally some other series that takes precedent over it. Um, it's not I've not got anything against touring cars. It's a fun series, and I've, I have enjoyed the races I have been able to find the time to watch. It just doesn't come up enough for also, me. Yeah. Um, I'm also, on a- the
1: same subject of car racing series that are great short-form entertainment, but, you know, seem to want to kill themselves at every set... <laughs> talk about professional rallycross y'all <laughs> <Ugh>.
0: <laughs> um I, I for me personally it's pretty much anything involving sports cars it's just as much and the half the discord's going to fucking kill me for saying that but it's just like endurance racing in particular is just not my thing and well, that's fair and 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 like I I don't have the concentration to sit down for even the two hours forty-five of most IMSA events and have the concentration to go through all the way through. And the longer races, it's just not happening. I just don't care enough to to really get into it in that sense. And um yep, the Discord wants to kill me. Um, which is fair. Uh but it's just not for me. Like I like the series i watched, they're just long enough where it's like you know like you have my full attention i enjoy them for what they are i don't feel like i need to go out of my way to watch anything else uh, i watch a lot of motorsport enough as it is i'm watching four or five different series full time as it is um, and i haven't really got the desire to get into sports cars really it's just not for me in that sense i, mean, I, re- I respect them it's nothing against the series i'm sure like again i've watched it on occasion imsa is fun you know, like, Lamon is always something I would always try and watch at least two to three hours of whenever it's around. You know, maybe at the race start, maybe towards the end, in the middle at night somewhere, if there's nothing better on. It's just sports car racing in general just isn't my thing. And yeah. it's, you know, it's just not for me. And, like, again, I'll read some of the comments in the Discord chat. Dre is officially a heathen. <laughs> Dre, you are now dead to me. Did someone say railgun? Get the shotgun. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it's like, there's now a civil war in the support section of the Discord because of that answer to that question. I sincerely apologize. I regret nothing. Now, um, but I'd (laughs) say the, the secret,
2: the secret formula to get me interested in any form of motorsport is, uh, probably the DTM formula, how I got into DTM, that the, the races... Decent length, not too short, not too long, uh, the team structures, easy to figure out, easy to figure out, you know, who's doing well, who's doing poorly, who do, who do you expect to do well, who do you expect to do bad, uh, racing very similar to Formula 1, uh, and it's available, well, most of the races are available to watch for free on YouTube.
0: Yeah. Right. We're just, we're totally get that logic. Jeff F one asks, favorite historic tracks that no longer exist. No to
2: find, no longer
0: existing. We, so, are we going one step further um, here than the old? Well, what track would you love to bring back? to the F one guy, and now it's a case of which tracks do you want to bring back that are dead? D E D dead <laughs> that can't come back. Period. Istanbul Park, anyone? <laughs> Te-
2: I think it could come back. Have they raised that completely? No, it is it is still there. They don't host racing, but it is is physically still there. Yeah. Same with it's, same it's, with, it's a great
0: call park. Yeah. Same <laughs>
1: with North <laughs> Wilkesboro. Same with North Wilkesboro Raceway, North Carolina, uh legendary NASCAR short track. Uh it's just sitting there in decay. Hmm. But I think we're talking about, like, you know, Riverside Raceway in California, the prototype to your Sonomas, your Laguna Seca's of way back when, which is now just, you know, a shopping mall and housing complex.
0: Everything's a housing complex these days. Have you seen <laughs> London? Oof. Everything's a fucking housing project. <laughs>
1: um, let's see. We're getting live reactions. Steven suggests Shakaray uh, Pagua, the old Rio Circuit, the
2: former home of the Brazilian Grand Prix,
1: and a former and IndyCar venue.
2: And it was raised in 2015 to construct the Olympic Village for the 2016 Olympic Games. Toki says Old Hockenheim. Rezi says Avis. Yeah, I probably say hmm. I, I probably wouldn't say old.
0: Well, they could rebuild Old Hockenheim. You can't rebuild the others. Old Hockenheim was boring. Changed my mind. Um, Yeah, it kind of (laughs) was. It was. It was different, but really boring. It was pretty, but (laughs) the the appeal goes after about four laps. I mean, Jesus.
2: There's Um, there's a reason why they raised it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, just 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 saying. Um, Henry Henry Chapman asks. What's one moment in motorsport history that wasn't significant at all the time at the time, but now looking back is really significant?
1: I swear we thought mm. we took some time to think about this one. Oh man, cuz there cuz it, it could mean so much.
2: Hmm. Uh probably the race like the first thing that comes to mind was uh the 1914 French Grand Prix, where Mercedes scored a 1-2-3 finish, and it ended up being the last race of its era, because six days before that, in Sarajevo, uh, Franz Ferdinand was shot and killed. (laughs) So, no one one at the time of the race thought it was going to be the last race for, like, the next five years, but it ended up being the last race for the next five years. (laughs)
0: Hmm, I'm trying to think here. Oh, gosh, um... Maybe Belgium 2014 and Rosberg and Hamilton collided into each other it was the start of their mm. arguably three-year-long rivalry, but it was a big deal at the time, too. It wasn't low-key. It was first and second hitting each other off in a Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was low-key enough? Maybe probably, I'd probably,
2: some- probably trade. I'd probably say, was it... <laughs> 2013 Malaysian Grand Prix. Not not for the reason ah. we, not for the reason you think it was important, but Go for on. the other team order scandal at Mercedes, which oh, yes, we blew and oh. God, we forgot about
0: this one. Oh. <laughs> the second team order scandal of that race. Were they told, the one that no one talks about. Where they
2: told Lewis to hold position and he didn't. And he overtook Rosberg anyway.
0: Wasn't Nico (laughs) Rosberg's famous words after the Grand Prix when he pulls into Park Ferme? You owe me for this. Yes, (laughs) yes. I'll remember this. I remember that one. I do remember that. That's a very good point.
1: Oh, man. Um, Um, Kimi Raikkonen... uh, Well, that race was pretty intense at the moment, but looking back on it... Again,
0: that was high-key at the time.
1: Yeah, and you would have no idea how much that would have... Effectively, it swung the championship in favor of Alonso.
0: We we forget just how freaking f- ridiculously fast Kimi Räikkönen was in the mid two thousands. But in order to finish Ludicrous first, speed.
1: you must first finish.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Um, that's that is a that is a great shout. I'd also probably throw in the the dawn of a title fight in twenty twelve when Sebastian Vettel dominates Valencia but then his alternator gives out after the safety car pulls in. This given, he had a 20-second lead before that safety car and was about a second a lap faster than everybody else. His alternator fails after the safety car, and then some guy called Fernando Alonso won it from 11th on the grid. Mm
1: -hmm. I, uh... Yeah, I... Hmm. I'm trying to think of some from, from the recent world, from recent American sport um and i i were there were ideas floating around that IndyCar would switch to formula 1's engine formula the 3.5 liter V10 um yeah. and that eventually led to a sequence of events that caused the American open
2: wheel racing split yeah cuz at the time uh which it, it that idea ended up coming to like that idea came up again a couple of years ago where formula 1 were pushing the FIA to have a global engine formula for the for the top class of international motorsport where uh where essentially formula 1, IndyCar and world sports cars would have the same engine formula
0: I was I was about to throw another one in there before we moved on as well um But uh
2: yeah just to to finish up the engine point uh IndyCar didn't adopt that formula, but World Sports Cars did, and it nearly caused the collapse. Well, the World Sports Car Championship did collapse, but uh, partially due to the adopted engine formula, because if a manufacturer could build an engine for Le Mans, why race at at Le Mans when you could just race it in Formula 1? Mm. mmm.
0: Very good point. That's the issue. That's the that issue
2: either. with any global formula. When you have a global formula, then a recession hits. Then you're like, I can't race in all of these series at once. I gotta pick one. Formula one, it is. Yeah, and in fairness,
1: yeah. the uh, the V10 Group C's sounded monstrous, but there just weren't enough of them. It was getting to the point where it was literally a case of last car standing <laughs> to decide some races.
0: Yeah, I've got a, I've got a two wheel one for you before we move on as well. Mark Marquez winning the 2015 Australian Grand Prix while saving his tyres, and that started the paranoia with Valentino Rossi that led to arguably the most heated MotoGP moment of the modern era. <laughs> people people think it started at Sepang. People fail to realise it started a race before at Phillip Island because Marquez was saving his front tyre, and then Rossi thought he was deliberately slowing the pace and helping Lorenzo win the championship, who was leading at the time. People forget that race finished with Marquez somehow a second off the lead, passing Iannone and Lorenzo on the final lap in the ultimate I'm-going-to-win-this-race-or-crash-trying mode from Marquez. He only breaks out on very rare occasions. Um and won the Grand Prix, and that immediately started the the paranoia within Valentino Rossi, which led to him at Sepang's press conference on the Thursday, pulling out telemetry of Marquez's lap times, um, and, and showing them in front of the World's Press, saying, look, look, he slowed down on purpose, he held me up, he's helping Lorenzo win the title, and... Even though Danny Pedrosa said, no, listen, our front tires are overheating. We had to do it, otherwise we were going to crash. And of course, that led to that dogfight at Sepang. That led to that kick, or maybe not a kick. And that <laughs> led to the entirety of us on the internet thinking we're all of a sudden MotoGP experts. Fun times. Oh boy. But uh, yeah, there's that, that, some fun ones there for you. Yeah, that's what he calls it. It's the oh no, my leg slipped moments. <laughs> oh, um no. it's uh Brian Shadowwolf asks which concept should have gotten a better or longer run? A one Grand Prix or GP Masters?
1: Um So basically the- I believe the uh, the pro- it's basically just like okay, do you want a, a, a national, like a World Cup of motorsport,
2: or do you want a legends tour of motorsport? i think in terms of viability today i think gp mashes work out well today considering the the age of people who either you know the age of people who get booted out of f1 nowadays is a lot younger than it used to be
0: oh god gotcha. yeah it like the, the format when it came to drivers itself yeah it would make a lot more sense um, but for the record, I loved a one Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. I watched it when it was on Sky Sports. I loved it. I loved the concept. I loved the national-based teams. I loved the fact that so many brilliant drivers that are now household names got significant runtime in the series. I loved the the I loved the power boost idea and how strategic it came into play. I liked the fact they raced on tracks that they didn't normally see, like like Zandvoort, for mm-hmm. example. Uh, I loved that. I liked a lot about A1 Grand Prix across the board and I was gutted when I found out it was going to be no more. And Ireland won something! (laughs) Like, that's always a plus. I'd
2: (laughs) say both series had two cruxes that probably wouldn't fly today. So, GP Masters, uh, they had the minimum age for the initial minimum age in GP Masters was 45 years old. They eventually lowered it Mm. the the second year they tried it, they lowered it to 40. Uh, a1GP had an issue when it came to driver selection, most notably for Team USA, because Team USA was operated by Andretti Autosport, so they only ever ran Andretti drivers. So if you're an American mm-hmm. and you weren't an employee of Andretti Autosport, there, were, there was no way for you to participate in A1GP, unless you were Graham Rahal. <laughs> Who's gone
0: in under Team Lebanon. Because one of his grandparents As- is from Lebanon. Oh come on! <laughs> What's the eligibility clause on this? Well, then again, we we come from a national country where Declan Rice now plays for England, even though he was he's clearly an Irishman. But you know, what whatever we make this, we make this shit up as we go along in England these days. It's like, hey, does your like 14th cousin like like live in England for a year? Hey, you're one <laughs> of us now. <laughs> Look at our cricket team. One of them's bloody South African for fuck's sake. Now. It's like, you know, whatever works. I love Day 1 Grand Prix. Bring it back. Um, well, th-
1: that's an interesting segue to our final proposal in the mailbag, isn't it, Dre? <laughs>
0: yes, it is. Um, after about a year in hiding, James Calantis basically asked this question about six months ago, and we never got around to answering it until now. The question was, what would a Davis Cup of Motorsport look like? And RJ O'Connell, while at work, like furiously fiddled the numbers and came up with some sort of spreadsheet talking about this. RJ, the floor is yours. Yeah,
1: so basically, um, James's proposal, thank you, James, was to segue, was to have, you know. The Davis Cup is basically the World Cup of tennis, where each team, each nation gets their own set of teams. And we have this split into four categories. There are single seater drivers, so F1, IndyCar, and the like, sports and touring cars, which we lump together along with NASCAR, uh, motorcycles, and
2: then an under 20, a 22 and under Cup. Yes. And for a bit of reference, for those who don't know anything about the Davis Cup, it is nothing to say it's the World Cup of tennis is. A very vague similar because it's nothing like any other world cup because it's a it's basically played out over the course of a year and the tournament but the the way it's structured is so weird the the way that uh the way the match format is where you have to do a singles match doubles match women's singles and a mixed doubles where you have to form you have to you know Mash up all these different different disciplines of tennis into one event. Uh, it it's not comparable to the World Cup at all, but it is a, very comparable to motorsports. Yeah, it's not like
0: the oh Rufus yes,
1: rankings. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord,
0: fair play. Um, I mean, RJ, do you want me to run down some of these teams you've got lined um, up?
1: Yeah, we'll start with uh, we'll start with the single seaters category.
0: Right, so the single-seaters, I mean, we basically said we'll come up with roughly 16 teams uh, with various nationalities in play, including one women's all-star team, because, you know, inclusion. We're a very progressive podcast. (laughs) Uh, That's always fun. Um, So, representing the UK in single-seaters, Lewis Hamilton and Sam Bird from Formula E. The Bird is indeed the word. Um you know, for representing uh, the United States, Joseph Newgarden and Alex Rossi. Now that's a formidable pairing, Jesus. Um Australia, Daniel Ricardo and Will Power. Mm. Uh, from France, um the Ryan King special. Uh Simon Pagano and Wait, Pierre Gasly? He's not been sacked out of Red Bull yet? Yeah, what? where's where's uh, Jeff at? Where's Jeff at? Oh, man. That's a good that's, point. Uh, yeah. That's, a, I, that's I, a good point. I came
1: up with this knowing, like, okay, I know there was going to be discussion of, like, I was going to open the floor, like, would you add somebody, drop somebody? And I think we're at the first one. So... Jiner! Yeah. <laughs> it,
0: jo- Jeff
1: completely slipped my mind as I was thinking about Formula E drivers to include as part of the list.
0: If, if, if you had if you had Hazel on the brain, is that it? <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Hazel. But um, yeah, Jeff, woof. Um, that, that's not a bad shout out there. Germany, Sebastian Vettel and Nico Hülkenberg. Well, now Nico's retired. I guess that fits. <laughs> um, yes, Nico, you're now number two on the German power ranking list. Congratulations. Uh, step Roll on down, sir. Um, Italy, Antonio Giovinazzi and Luca Giotto. Um, you, um, Yano truly was called, but unfortunately he's too busy operating a train. Um, Japan, uh, Takuma Sato and Naoki Yamamoto. Uh, the the RJ Inspire team of course which is a very good team um, Spain, father and son Fernando Alonso and Carlos Sainz Jr wait that's not <laughs> quite right is it <laughs> um, Switzerland, yes they have a motorsports team even though their country doesn't like motorsports, <laughs> okay we'll, we'll go with it, Sebastian Buemi and Adora Mortara, now I would also argue mm-hmm. um, Romain Grosjean was born in Switzerland though no?
2: But yeah. he does not race under a Swiss license, unfortunately. He gave that up. Mm. He <laughs> gave that up.
0: Yeah. How dare he not want to represent Switzerland in this country of no, but...
1: Dre, he's only Swiss when he's on a torrid streak of non-scoring results.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, just just throwing that out there. I mean I know I know like, like uh Cam just mentioned Neil Yarni. Don't worry, he comes up later. R- relax, trust me on this. Representing Brazil, Lucas Degrassi and Sergio Sete-Camera. No Felipe Massa?
1: Massa was on my initial list, but then I figured, what if Brazil wanted to just get
0: younger? (laughs) 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 Well, it's as good a reason as any, right? Um, f- New Zealand, Scott Dixon and Brendan Hartley, of course. No, no issues with that one. Uh, even if Dixon isn't technically New Zealand, um, <laughs> he's a fucking Aussie. He just denies it. Um, the Dutch, Max Verstappen, of course, and Robin Frins. I like. Um, Belgium Stoffel and Jerome D'Ambrosio which is you know very nice team there both former E guys now um, both in the mix look good to see Sweden Marcus Ericsson and Felix Rosenquist driver for hire himself that's always useful um, Finland Kimi Räikkönen and Valtteri Bottas they love each other they would be great teammates <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> and representing the women's all-star team Tatiana Calderon and Jamie Chadwick mmm very nice. Um, <laughs> uh, moving on to the uh, sports and touring car section. Yes. Yeah, the multi
1: seed boys. Yes. Yeah, so
0: Also, I, lo- I love that Discord also mentioned as well no Mexican team question.
1: Yeah. Mark? We had to cut this down to 16. So this just assume
0: yeah. that this was it's the 16 the, that got into three. The, issues, race, long the issues in the list.
2: system will come out later on.
1: <laughs> okay. So I want to go through our sports and touring cars list. Um, provisionally sure. for the United Kingdom. I had Jensen Button and Colin Turkington, representing the United Kingdom. Again, it's a deep, deep list for the United Kingdom. United States, I went with Jordan Taylor and Kyle Busch. Not Joey Logano, but Kyle Busch, probably the better all-around driver with a more consistent track record. Australia, I went with Chaz Mostert and David Reynolds. No Jamie Wincup, he's looking a little washed. No Craig Lowndes, he's retired full time. <laughs> did
0: he just did he just pull him washed on this podcast? Oh, boy. You, you tried to piss off our few Australian backers. Um,
1: <laughs> France has from the Porsche team Patrick Pile and also from the Porsche Manufacturer Squad, Frederick McAwecky. Uh, Germany still has Andre Lauder and Timo Bernhard. Italy uh, i have gone with four-time Super GT champ Ronnie Kinarelli and Mercedes sports car ace Raffaele Marcello uh, <laughs> Japan pretty much plugging and playing Toyota Gazoo Racing's Kazuki Nakajima and Kamui Kobayashi sports and touring oh, cars no from there. Spain Antonio Garcia of Corvette Racing and Danny Ucadella, now of Aston Martin R Motorsport in the DTM Switzerland there's Yeet. where we find Neil Yanni and Matthias Besch from Brazil, Luis de Rani and Felipe Nazar. Poop! <laughs> from New Zealand, uh, well, Shane Van Gisbergen and Scott McLaughlin, the number one and number two guys in supercars.
0: Pretty much, yeah. Um, from the
1: Netherlands, Renger van der Zande of, of Wayne Taylor Racing and Nicky Katzberg, factory BMW driver. Belgium has Lawrence Vanthoor, Porsche, and Bertrand Baguette of Honda. Sweden has Johan Kristoffersson. He is switching to touring cars, mm. and Rallycross yeah. is basically glorified touring car racing <laughs> nowadays. And Tom Blomquist, who races under a British flag, but his father is Steg Blumquist, one of the greatest Swedish rally drivers ever. villain I went with yeah. Heki Kovalainen, now of Super GT, and Tony Villander. And the Sports and Touring Cars Women's All-Stars team have Simona Di Silvestro and Catherine Legg of Meyer Shank
0: Racing. We love Catherine. We stand Catherine here. Uh, I, I love that as well. That Steve in the Discord server went no ter- no Tarquini <laughs> Again, the
1: Italian national team, no matter how tra- how trash they are at some points, is not dragging Paolo Montini back out to play defensive tackle.
0: Oh dear lord! Uh, <laughs> oh dear, but uh, hey, I like this. Moving into the motorcycle department here. Oh, this like is going to be some Oh <laughs> <picks>. hard <laughs> 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 Here we go. This is going to be fun. Um, representing the UK, Jonathan Ray and Cal Crutchlow. Now, that's a formidable pairing right here. Jonathan Ray, four-time World Superbike champion, and right now currently Alvaro Bautista's plaything. And Cal Crutchlow, three-time MotoGP race winner and former World Super Sport champion. Um, representing the the, the US, uh, Cameron Bielbier and Joe Roberts. I would argue PJ Jacobson maybe should be in there for the US um given his strong background in super sport as well but that's not a bad pick yeah. by any stretch of I I
1: levitated ob- towards Bobier because he is the Moto GP is the Moto Americas champion he is America's Superbox sure. champion uh Joe Roberts yep. I was just thinking like who's an American that's actually in the Moto X pipeline Oh, we would have been yeah, so good at this ten or fifteen or twenty years ago. <laughs> no,
0: no, right? Yeah, it'd be like Nicky Hayden and Ben Bostrom, and or geez, Nikki Hayden and Ben Spees. God, you'd be so stacked. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Get the Americans back on the map. They're more fun when any Americans are involved, um, which is something you never normally say about the United States. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Team France, Johan Zarco, KTM factory rider and two-time yeah. Moto Two champion. Do we? Do oh, okay, Mister Stratus, Australia? my bad. <laughs> No, I missed the Australians, right yeah, like my um, man. The Aussies, yeah. The... See, everybody misses Australia. Um, the Aussies, Jack Miller and Josh Brooks. Jack Miller, obviously, uh, former Moto three runner-up and now perennial uh, solid Pramac riding team. There for. Uh... Ducati. And hey, welcome back to the GP podium. Uh, Katie Stone is not racing anymore, Cam. Um, And Josh Brooks is there as well, former British Superbike champion, Isle of Man runner, and uh, all-round charismatic arsehole. Team France, as mentioned, Johan Zarco and Fabio Quattararo. Yeah, that's probably right. Um, Johan Zarco, Two time Moto2 world champion and Fabio Quattararo, who you know is hailed as the next French Marc Marquez, former junior C V world champion, and uh, yeah, you know, all good things all around there representing Team France. Team Germany, Sandro Cortese, former world champion uh, in in Moto3 and World Supersport last year. A rare case of a two-time world champion in two different disciplines. A very talented guy, Sandro Cortese. And uh, Marcel Schrotter, um, who's again, looks like he's on the verge of a breakout year in Moto2 right now. Um, Doing very, very good work there for the Dynavolt team over there right now. Italy. Well, it's a loaded team Valentino Rossi and Andrea De viziozo um, <laughs> Say no more uh, Valentino Rossi, probably the greatest bike rider of all time And De Vizioso, two-time MotoGP Series runner-up um, And former 125 World Champion as well in 2006 Again, say no more um, I, think, I think Italy's winning the bike section, guys I don't know well, Maybe I don't, we don't know. know We have to make <laughs> some <laughs> tough
1: picks for Italy and Spain But let's get to Japan yeah.
0: first yeah japan takanakagami and katsuki nagasuka is is their team again again takanakagami race winner in moto 2 now solid runner for honda in moto gp nagasuka i want to say is that japanese yes there, yes RJ? he's yep.
1: he's coming in as the multi-time uh all japan road race champion in their premier class
0: <laughs> yep that, i did that, my that research totally makes sense. Of course he did. Of course he did. No one's doubting that from you. Ah, Team Spain. Um, some guy called Mark Marquez. Um, yeah, he's pretty good. Uh, yeah, Mark Marquez and Alvaro Bautista is the second name in there. Now, I know he's a little bit on the washed side, but I, I you have to put Jorge Lorenzo in the second seat here, surely. <sighs>
1: Man, that was that was the toughest thing. Do you go with the hottest hand in bike racing right now, or do you go with the guy who's maybe done more? in a in a more prestigious category, but hasn't done as much lately I'm going Bautista <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm going Lorenzo I think you guys are crazy um like Jorge Lorenzo is like one of the top six or seven best riders to ever walk this earth um I'm not going with a hot hand here people like Bautista's doing this on a busted Panguardy v4 and Lorenzo. Was still very good at Ducati. Hey, we, we don't know what
2: bikes are riding. They could be riding equal bikes. They could be. Maybe each country has to build their own bike. Yo, yo, it okay, could be. It could be,
1: it could be it. one of those. Like it could be like the electric bike races at Tagi.
0: <laughs> True. Uh, team Switzerland um, Thomas Lutti and Randy Krimenacker, that's a low-key underrated team, Thomas Lutti uh, perennial top contender in Moto2 f- um, former 125cc runner-up, um, and Randy Krimenacker who's now racing in World Supersport again, another solid Moto2 rider a race winner in World Supersport as well, um, Famously, famous to catch catchphrase on Buglover being Krimenacker when he came from the pit lane to finish second in Aston last year uh, fun times as well, good shout out Vic. Dominique Agata could have been another guy you could have thrown in there as well. Dominique Agata is a very solid rider as well in Moto2. Race winner in there in the past. Um, good good pick as well to mention Dominique Agata. Um, another, again, Swiss, Swiss? The Swiss are uh, actually quite underrated when it comes to bike racing in general. Not so much the um, Brazil squad. No, Eric Granado and Alex Baros, Um Yeah, it's... Uh, let's move on. Um... <laughs> uh, um <laughs> New Zealand, Sloane Frost and Scott Muir again. Moving on, the the Dutch team is not too bad. I mean, Michael Vandermark and Bo Ben Schneider, <coughs> um, which is a fun team. Uh, Vandermark again, race winner in World Superbikes, former World Super Sport champion. Bo Ben Schneider again, solid runner in Moto 3, Red Bull Rookies t- Cup runner as well. Um, very very tall shall we say. Um, The Belgian team, Xavier Simeon, a race winner in Moto2. That's about as far as the highlights go. Um, Loris Cresson as well. Isn't he in endurance racing, um, if I remember correctly? I I
1: believe so. Again, with some of these teams, and King will bring this up, I had to do a lot of digging to find some dudes, and we get to the Nordic region, and that kind of plays out.
0: Yeah. definitely. Definitely. Um, Sweden, Christopher Bergman and Alexander Lumpf, um, Finland's not got a, actually not got a bad little team, Nikki Tooley, who raced in Moto2, again, another race winner in World Supersport, and uh, Mika Kallio a, a, a Moto2 Championship runner-up, um, MotoGP, uh, uh, right, he, he was in there in MotoGP a couple of times, still does excellent wildcard work for KTM, a, a, a solid team as well. Um, and the women's all-star team we've gone with Anna Carrasco and Maria Herrera of course Anna Carrasco making history is the first individual female female world champion in any form of motorcycle racing when she won the world Team Sport 300 championship last year. By just a single point, um, and Maria Herrera, who's raced in Moto Three, a point scorer on multiple occasions in Moto Three, and now racing in Super Sport 300 as well, and actually now is in the World Superbike paddock as well again for that one. Again, racing in the Super Sport 300s, a solid team as well for the for the girls too.
1: Team, <coughs> you want the under 22, so you can roast my
2: unimaginative scouting. Oh, okay, let's let's do it. United Kingdom, we got. Lando Norris and George Russell, which decent picks. Decent picks. Nothing to complain about. Oh, wrong there. Uh United States, we got Colton Herda and Kyle Kirkwood, which good good picks. There they're not many there are not many options. The Logan under- Sargent probably
1: would have been in place of Kirkwood, and that's only because he's in the European ladder. Again, I'm a really unimaginative <laughs> scout.
2: It's mm. like uh it's like I don't know if I'd actually replace Sargent with Kirkwood, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. Australia, we've got Jack Doohan and Dylan O'Keefe. That's Jack Doohan, Mick Doohan's son, and Dylan O'Keefe,
1: who now races in the Porsche Carrera Cup Australia. Pretty good young driver. I believe he's in Super 2s, the uh, yes. Supercars developmental series. And, yeah, for France, we have Sasser Fenestraz and Thomas Laurent. Thomas Laurent coming in as a sports car driver under the age of 22.
2: Okay, uh, Germany, we have Mick Schumacher and David Beckman. Oh, that's a good team. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's a good team. That's a very good team. That's a very good team. Good lord. Um... Okay, uh,
2: Italy, oh, awesome. we have Leonardo uh, Polcini and uh, <laughs> Alessio LaRandi. Whose
1: who's bro- who's younger brother is racing, but I believe Alessio is still without a ride this season. Yeah, he's without a ride, which,
2: <sighs> please find a ride. Yeah. Okay, Japan, we have Tata Makino and Ritomo Miyata. Yes. <laughs> wow, did I just call him? It-
1: <laughs> yes, that would be Tadasuke Makino of Honda and Rotoba Beata, the top under-22 prospect of the Toyota Young Driver program.
2: Okay, Spain, we got Alex Palo and Sebastian Fernandez, which, oh Spain, you need young talent. Where's Fernando at? <laughs> For Alonso, where's Where's Spain's young the talent? The cup
1: runneth dry. Where's the economy yeah, at? <laughs> the cup runneth dry after Carlos Sainz of the like got promoted. Oh dear. Um Okay, give me one second. Does King need to answer this phone call?
0: How <laughs> he, dare he A phone has never gone off on this podcast? Before, oh my god, never. no, no, okay. that's right.
1: He's he's getting the call up from the Yankees. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Switzerland, we have Louis Delatraz and Ralph Bishang, which good pairing, good pairing. Uh Brazil like these pigs. <laughs> Brazil with their version of legacy ends up in
0: a and Pedro Pika. That's that that is legacy. Like where's Randy Orton at? Yeah. Like holy shit. Yeah,
1: I was uh that's kind of the reason why I bumped camera up to the main single seeders team. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's like, okay, uh, New Zealand, we have Liam Lawson and Marcus Armstrong. Decent picks. But, okay, the Netherlands, we have uh, Renis VK and Richard Richure. Uh hmm. Belgium, we have Van Vanthor and Max Verney. Yeah, it's scary how young Dries is. I, yeah, he's not even yeah. turned
0: 22 yet.
2: <laughs> I was like, Jesus. I was like... <laughs> I, I thought Vanthor was older to be honest.
0: Mm.
2: Uh Sweden we have Joel Eriksson and Isaac Blomquist. <laughs> unrelated to the <laughs> unrelated to the other Blomquist.
0: <laughs> unrelated. <laughs> it's, it's a common surname. Can't be helped.
2: Yeah. F- okay. Finland we have Nico Kari and uh Consta Mm. And for the women's team, we have Sophia Flourish and Mika Koyama. So, I would say decent picks all around. Uh, the only team that I'd probably say is would be well off the pace from everyone else is probably Spain.
0: Yeah, they're a little bit barren in the driving stakes compared to everybody else. I mean, they got it's, it's very top heavy with Fernando there and Carlos, and then once the sports car guys come out, there's a drop-off. Is is the whole thing going to be a bike race? In which case, I think it's already over. (laughs) Yeah, and in that case,
1: all of New Zealand's talent advantage in cars quickly goes out the window.
0: Right. Same with Brazil as well,
1: and and the Nordic countries as well. I was going to say, who wins? Who wins? Uh, For my money, probably the most balanced lineup. Well, it's just like Russia 2018.
2: It's France. Yeah, it's 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 it. Probably the f- final would be like France versus Britain, and I'd probably say I'd probably say France wins out. But don't don't uh, worry, you you're probably you can't right. have a penalty
0: shootout
1: in car racing, can you? <laughs> you can't have a
0: penalty. Hey hey, we won our last one. Take that, Spain. <laughs> <laughs> But, we beat the Colombians fair and square. I think, although I, I will not tolerate getting beaten by the French. I can't have this. I, <laughs> I think this situation would probably end up like the
2: first time motor racing tried to have a World Cup, when, when pretty much how the Gordon Bennett Cup collapsed because the Gordon Bennett Cup rules were pretty much very in terms of nationality. The only rule was. Uh, your car had to be built in your country. You could have whatever driver, whatever... The driver nationality didn't matter. You could hire anyone you wanted. Only issue is that not all countries are equal. Some cars have a bigger uh, car racing heritage than others, and if every single country had to enter three cars, it is going to be slightly unfair for larger countries, and that's how it collapsed, because uh, the way the... The way the cup was formatted if you if you won the cup you got to decide what the technical rules were france won the cup multiple times and they wanted to change the rules so they could enter more than 3 cars uh ooh everyone else decided no we're not in for that but france <laughs> france literally had to have a race every year to determine who were the 3 cars they were entering while countries like germany uh Mercedes used the loophole in the rules saying that the only rule was the car had to be built in that country to enter more than three cars because not only were Mercedes the German national team they were also the Austrian national team because they just opened up a new factory in Austria
0: right and that I think also kind of leads to the problem here is that like there's a lack of depth for a lot of these countries, unfortunately. It's it's like the Premier League is right now. It's very, shall we say, top heavy. I mean, look at the look at the British team. Look at the look at the United States. Look at the French, the Germans, the Italians. Those are the guys that probably stand out when it comes to raw talent. Yeah. Um, I... and then you've got Belgium, Sweden, Brazil. Brazil already looked washed. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I'd probably yeah. say
2: in terms of looking to do a World Cup for motorsport, number one, you kind of have to ditch, like, we need to have, like, 12 or 16 countries. You're going to have to narrow it down to maybe 6 or 10. Two, you're going to yeah. have to come up with a format that's that's pliable for, you know, different driver pools by, by what cycling does for their world championships. Pretty much, they take into account how many professional riders you have in, in pro cycling and wait, how many entries you're allowed. So, say, uh, like Belgium or France or Spain, where there's a big cycling culture, they're allowed to enter more riders than everyone else.
0: That makes sense. It's, that, that does not make sense.
2: And also, you're going to have to come up with a race format. I, th- I don't think we're going to have everyone in single-seaters. If, if they were to actually do this, I think we'd be racing touring cars. Or just, you know, rental carts.
0: <laughs> Rail cards. Oh dear, but uh, yeah, that's your idea for the Davis Cup of motorsport. Hope you liked it, James. You only had to wait like eight months for an answer. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for backing us. We're, we're totally reliable people around here. <laughs> oh God, I'm resting in the comments. I just have everyone race KTM crossbows. <laughs> Sounds good. Sign me up. No one else has ever done that. Right. Okay, does Lewis Hamilton win in Baku this weekend? Uh, <sighs> if there's one if there's one race on the calendar that has a knack of producing crazy shit, it's Baku. Um,
1: I'm just here for the Formula 2. Yeah, I'm just here for the
2: Formula 2. <laughs> oh, one. dear I, lord. I don't know who's going to win Formula 2. I'm just saying it's going to be the must-watch race of the weekend. <laughs> it's
0: it's, it's going to be lit. It's, yeah, we've
2: also got the Paris
1: Prix this weekend. And NASCAR yep. at Talladega. Nobody cares. Oh god! Jeff!
2: Jeff! <laughs> Jeff! 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 You want Jeff, Jeff, Jeff to win Jeff, the NASCAR Jeff, Jeff. race? <laughs> Anyone can Why win not? Talladega. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, let's see what else is this weekend. Well actually, I forgot today is a bank holiday in Britain, so they're actually racing today. <laughs> yeah, we've already had that happen.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: But yeah, next weekend Yeah, Rally Argentina Anything else? World Rallycross is going to Barcelona uh, VLN at the Nürburgring Hopefully they don't get snowed out this time
0: That would help You know uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of fun stuff to- going down this weekend We'll be back next week To review it all, most of it on next week's show but thank you very much for listening for a show that had one major race we ended up going over 105 minutes the M101 specialty is back <laughs> what can we say <laughs> thanks for listening everybody I you can catch us one more time real quick youtube.com forward slash motorsport101 facebook.com forward slash motorsport101 twitter at motorsport underscore 101 again Uh, Personal handles at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, and at Ryan Eric King. Um, Our website, motorsport101.com. And again, if you want to back us financially, you could do so on Twitter. Um, Sorry, not Twitter, sorry, Patreon. (laughs) Twitter's not gone down that road yet. I can't speak now. Jesus. We're on Patreon as well. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport101. Early access to all of our shows for five bucks. Yes, that is one for the blooper real Toki. Yes, well done. Um, <laughs> ten dollars gets into the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these shows live as they go out. Thanks so much, everyone that stuck around still. Uh, Charles Toki, Rezzy's joined this as well. S- um, Steve's here, Vic, uh, love, Mert, um, Cam as well. Thanks everyone for sticking around and watching. Much appreciated, um, as well. Uh, We'll be back next week to talk about Formula 1 in Baku and the Paris E-Prix as well. Until then, I've been Andre Harrison, they've been RJ O'Connell, and Ryan Eric King. We'll see you next week for episode 190. Sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye.